the Righteous Podcast of Truth. Laughter is the Best Exorcist by Larry Grank, narrated by Edward L. Lawyer. My drug dealer Alex and his wife Alexis went on vacation, and they needed somebody to house-sit their old country home. They asked me to stay there for two weeks while they went to Mexico. Alex said, Larry, if anybody breaks in, please brutalize them. This was my grandparents' house until they died mysteriously in this very house. Just like my parents both died mysteriously in this very house. So it's an important part of my family heritage. Someday my wife and I hope to die mysteriously in this very house. So if any intruders violate the sanctity of my home by breaking and entering, feel free to mysteriously kill them. I said, can't I just call the cops if somebody breaks in? But Alex shook his head. I'm growing marijuana in the basement, which I need you to water. I'm growing mushrooms in the attic, and I need you to make sure the humidifier keeps running. My vast library is soaked in LSD for the purpose of incognito trafficking, and I need you to keep that room cool and dry. Plus, I'm coming home with briefcases full of cocaine. I'm a serious drug trafficker, and I can't have the cops showing up here to investigate incidents of breaking and entering. Instead, I'm going to need you to murder any intruders. I gave him two thumbs up and said, I can't wait to murder those intruders. Then Alex and Alexis picked up their bags, climbed into their black car, and I watched them drive away on the old country road until they disappeared behind some trees. I was all alone with their small home with its nice old hardwood floors. When I walked back inside, an invisible foot stuck out in front of me, and I had to jump over it to keep from tripping. Fuck you, invisible foot, I said. Then I went into the dining room and set up my laptop so I could write my newsletter. As I started typing, the words that appeared on the screen said, No, Larry, fuck you. I looked around. Invisible foot, are you fucking with my computer? Then I heard the shower start running upstairs. I grabbed an 8-inch kitchen knife and clomped up the old wooden stairs. I went into the bathroom, prepared to confront the lavatory interloper. But when I got into the steamy room, nobody was there. The mirror was fogged up. Fear rose in my throat when I saw a message scrawled in the mirror mist. It said, Nobody likes you, Larry. You're a loser. That's not true, I muttered. It had to be the invisible foot. I got out my cell phone and called Alex. Hey, Alex, did you leave mean messages in the bathroom? Or mean invisible feet? Nope, Alex's crackly phone voice said. I don't do mean things unless they're warranted. And you are a fantastic dude, so I don't do mean things to you. And I don't have any invisible feet. Why do you ask? Now, I didn't want to worry Alex while he was on vacation, so I said, Oh, no reason. Enjoy your vacation. Remember, said Alex, murder any intruders and take care of my expensive drugs. The very moment I ended the call, I heard a taunting voice downstairs calling me. It said, I'm going to beat you up, Larry. You're dead, loser. I stared at the wooden door to the basement. It was a faded, dirty beige, clearly having been painted and repainted many times over the years. This door led down to the marijuana grow-up. I heard a loud crash, then insane laughter. 
I opened up the door and ran downstairs. There was dirt everywhere. The marijuana plants were torn up and scattered all over the place, and there were footprints in the scattered dirt. Footprints from one single right foot with no left counterpart. The basement was just one big room with hundreds of plants, all now ruined before they even budded. There was nowhere for anyone to hide, unless anyone was an invisible foot. I followed the footprints across the room. They led to a notebook which was closed beside a pencil, both sitting on the cement floor. When I bent over and picked up the book, I felt a horrible tightness as someone grabbed my underwear and pulled them up really high, so high that it lifted me off the ground. Somebody was giving me an atomic wedgie. I swung the knife in the air in an arc, but there was nobody behind me. The whole room was empty, except for uprooted marijuana corpses. Light from the bare hanging bulbs reflected off the blade of the kitchen knife. I opened up the notebook. The first page said, Wedgie, in big pencil letters. The rest of the book was full of insulting phrases and limericks about me. One of the limericks said, Larry, Larry, quite contrary. Go fuck yourself. I'm going to kill you. Another poem said, Roses are red, violets are blue. Larry, you coward, I will kill you. Another poem said, There once was a man from Nantucket. Larry's as dumb as a bucket, so I'm going to set something on fire, plus I'm going to give Larry another wedgie when he's least suspecting it. But I knew that I would always be suspecting it. So I sat down, took out my phone, and used my favorite search engine to search for local exorcists. There was the sexorcist, who was a sexy exorcist. I thought about calling her, but I didn't want the ghost foot to humiliate me in front of a sexy woman. Plus, she's probably less sexy than advertised. There was also the hilarious exorcists. This seemed like the right choice, because I could use some cheering up. I called them and said, Hello, hilarious exorcists. How effective is hilarious exorcism? The guy answered and said, Laughter operates on a certain brain frequency, which makes you immune to the whole ghost dimension. So if we fill your home with laughter, then that ghost will fuck right off. Are you comedians? I asked. We're just a bunch of funny guys and gals who like to have fun, he answered. You're clearly a very serious dude, or else your house wouldn't be so susceptible to ghost frequencies. We will provide a hilarious balance to your soul-crushing, obsessive seriousness. Sounds awesome, I said. How fast can you get out to this old country home? We're already halfway there, he said. How is that possible, I asked. I'm joking, he answered. See, we've started the exorcism already. We'll be there in an hour. One more thing, I said. Are you guys discreet? Why, he asked. Do you want to have sex with us? Because that costs extra. Hmm, I pondered. Nah, just the exorcism. But we do have a lot of drugs in the house, and I'd prefer if you don't call the cops. That's where the discretion becomes crucial. You got it, loser, he said. Loser, I asked. See, another joke, he said. We're going to have a blast. So I hung up the phone and immediately received another wedgie from my invisible tormentor. I squealed like a girl, then thrashed my arms around like an enraged gorilla. Then the doorbell rang. Adjusting my underwear, I went to answer the door. Standing before me with his crisp blue uniform dominating the entrance was a police officer with great posture, a friendly mustache, and intimidating sunglasses. 
The sun shone all around him, making him look like a police angel. He said, I'm going door to door on this old country road, recruiting for the police. Would you care to join the police department, sir? I considered it and said, nah. Come on, he implored. Don't you think this lawless countryside could use more protection? Or don't you care about your fellow man? Don't guilt trip me, officer, I snapped. You cops rarely investigate any of my many weird complaints. However, I suppose that if I was a cop, then I could investigate all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay, sign me up then. The cop's mustache twitched as he sniffed the air. Do I smell LSD? No, I said, scratching my neck. I'm just watching a documentary about LSD. You probably smell that. Okay, said the cop, so I'll sign you up for the police force. What's your name? Larry Grank, I told him. And is this your address, he asked, this house? No, I'm house-sitting for my drug. I almost said dealer, but stopped just in time. The cop slid his intimidating sunglasses down to the bottom of his nose and peered at me over them. You're house-sitting for your drug, he asked. Addict, I added smoothly. He squinted at me. You have a drug addict? Ted father, I added smoothly. My drug-addicted father, who was addicted to LSD, and so I'm watching documentaries about LSD to learn about his problem while he's away in rehab. And what's your father's name? the cop asked. Alex and Alexis, I answered. Then I heard a loud crash from upstairs, and the cop looked over my shoulder at the staircase. Then a paper airplane flew out from somewhere and got stuck in the officer's mustache. There was writing on the paper, so the cop opened it up and read it. It said, Larry has a crush on you, officer. The cop peered at me over his glasses, one eyebrow raised. Is this true? he said, hopefully. No, I said, I don't trust cops, except for myself when I become a cop. The officer scowled. Well, tell whoever threw this to stop throwing dishonest paper airplanes, the cop said, clearly disappointed and embarrassed. He crumpled up the airplane and threw it weakly on the ground, looking like a weak little girl. I laughed at his girly throw. Then the sunglasses flew off of his face. His sunglassesless face looked very surprised and he was lifted up off the ground by his underwear, which were being pulled up by an invisible force behind him. He squealed like a girl, and then thrashed around like an enraged gorilla. When the wedgie was over, the cop looked like a completely different person. Frightened, confused, and defeated, he fumbled for his glasses, which sat in the doorway. His underwear still stuck out the back of his pants. He looked all around, then said, Who gave me that wedgie? His posture was no longer impressive, and those glasses somehow made him look crazy. If I told him it was a ghost or an invisible foot, he would probably lock me up like all the other times I told cops about things. Like when I had to kidnap the alien who was impersonating the mayor. Or when I had a screaming contest downtown with the invisible man that no one else can hear to save the planet from the nanoparasites he invented. Or when I explained to the cops that they themselves were robots and had to be destroyed. What wedgie? I asked innocently, holding up my hands in an obvious show of my innocence. I didn't see any wedgie. The cop looked around some more, searching for whoever performed the embarrassing undergarment violation. There's nobody there. He tried to take some personal power back from me by saying, Well, I'm writing you a ticket. For what? I asked. Now I crossed my arms, and I was the intimidating one. I'll just tell them that you're crazy. He looked at me with trembling fear. Are you magic? Are you a wizard? 
If I was a wizard, I said, I could find better things to do than invisible wedgies. But can I still be a cop? The officer straightened his posture again, taking back some personal power. No, he said, you're too weird. Fuck, I said, losing some personal power. As the officer walked back down the steps, a brown van pulled up the gravel driveway. A clown hopped out and threw a pie in the cop's face. It was blueberry pie, and the cop fell down. As he peeled the pie off his face, I saw that he was sobbing. <laughs> Three more people, not clowns, jumped out of the van and decorated the officer with whipped cream and sprinkles. The clown did a funny walk up the stairs. Each footstep made a honking noise from some noise-making apparatus in his oversized shoes. When he reached the top, he unzipped his polka dot clown suit and peed on my leg. I stumbled backwards, disgusted. The two other guys ran up the steps and tackled me to the ground like football players. One of them tickled me until I laughed, while the other one covered me in whipped cream and sprinkles. When they were finished with me, they ran into the house screaming, Hey ghost! Fuck you! And they laughed like lunatics. I got to my feet, covered in pee and dessert, face red from ticklish laughter, and I said, Guys, you're not being funny, you're being abusive. The last of their gang showed up behind me. She was an old woman with a tape recorder. She said, That kind of serious talk is what got you into this ghastly situation in the first place. She pressed the play button on her tape recorder, and it played a laugh track. The laughter went on and on as she smiled at me. She only had a few teeth left. She wore a blue baseball cap tilted to the side over her gray hair, which I had to admit was pretty funny. She also had a skateboard. The clown and his two friends were wrecking the house, hooting and hollering, and mocking the ghost. The old woman skateboarded around, bathing the rooms in pre-recorded laughter. I realized that they were worse than the ghost. One of the guys pulled his pants down and started having sex with the couch. He said, look, I'm fucking your couch. How funny is that? It's not very funny, I said. Then I went into the library and saw the clown eating pages from the books. With a mouthful of paper, he mumbled, Look, I'm eating your books. How funny is that? I sighed. The only funny part is that those books have been soaked in LSD and you're probably going to go absolutely insane. You're a terrible clown. He kept eating the paper, chewing and swallowing page after page. The old woman skateboarded in front of him, and I couldn't help but laugh at the hilarious image of an old woman on a skateboard. Then five kitchen knives flew in from the kitchen and started circling the woman, occasionally diving in to stab her. She fell off the skateboard and landed with a bone-breaking crack on the hardwood floor. She moaned and wailed, and the knives stabbed in her face, her chest, her legs, everywhere. They stabbed deep into her flesh and then pulled out with trails of thick blood and a suction sound. Stabbing, stabbing, they turned her into Swiss cheese, a perforated and terrified old lady, completely helpless. The laugh track kept playing from her recorder, recorded laughter from some anonymous audience in the past. She tried to swat the knives away, but they just sliced the flesh off her old, frail hand. Blood poured from all her wounds, and she cried in despair. The clown watched the butchery in paralyzed horror. Finally, the knives brutally hacked off the woman's gurgling head. One blade dug into the raw meat of her neck, so only the handle stuck out. Her severed head then flew out of the room to terrorize the two other guys. The woman's headless body started dancing around like a marionette. It danced at the trembling clown, who was shaking his head in disbelief. 
dancing, dancing, the bloody corpse smeared itself all over the clown's suit. He tried feebly to push it away, while flying knives stabbed at his eyes. Fuck this, I said, running out of the library. The woman's severed head with its blue baseball hat tilted sideways was flying circles around the guy who had been fucking my couch. She cackled like a witch, flying in for a kiss as he tried to bat her away. But he couldn't avoid her mouth as she smeared her dead lips all over his face. Her eyes had been stabbed out by the ghost knives. You guys suck at exorcism, I said. Let's get out of here. Two hands grabbed me. It was the other exorcist. I didn't think ghosts were real, he said, staring into my eyes. We just bully crazy people and take their money. But this ghost is fucking real, man. We ran to the exit, but then a shower curtain flew down the stairs and wrapped itself around the frightened bullet. It was like a person taco, or an exorcist wrap, or something like that. It flew up the stairs and the guy screamed as something horrible probably happened. I went outside and walked down the wooden steps with their flaking paint. I sat in the dirt by the bottom step and took out my lighter. I flicked it and held the flame under the bottom stair until a little fire started. I had a few business cards in my wallet, so I used them to feed the flame. In a few minutes, the stairs were on fire. Screaming, crashing, and pre-recorded laughter was still pouring out of the house when the flames reached the doorway. I realized I'd left my laptop in there. How could I finish my newsletter now? I called Alex and said, Hey man, I burned down your house with a bunch of people in it because it's haunted. Alex said, Son? I'm not addicted to LSD anymore. I can come home now. Will you come pick me up? They told me that I have to stay here for a long time, but I don't want to. You'll talk to them, right? You'll tell them that it's okay for me to come home. I know you'll come pick me up, right, son?